And uh, we're going to be reading from the book of Acts, the fifth chapter. And uh, if you will, beginning with verse 12. As I copied these scriptures, it had on it continuing power in the church. Continuing power in the church. As I've studied chapter 5, and that's where we'll be looking at today is Acts chapter 5. I read behind some that believe that the gifts of the Spirit still operate and function today. But then I read behind some that said it no longer happens. And uh, if, and they say that it took the power of God to birth the church. If it took the power of God to birth the church, it certainly takes the power of God to continue the church. And if ever were a time that we really need the manifestation of the Spirit of the Lord, it's, it is today. Read with me, if you will, begin with verse 12 of Acts chapter 5. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared, notice this verse 13. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out of the street, onto the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities in Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those were tormented, who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. It is my prayer that the church, not only Bethel, but the church will continue in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we will see the manifestation, certainly, of the Spirit of the Lord. Would you stand with us, please? We were going to have two prayers at this time. Stay standing if you don't mind as we go to the Lord and pour our hearts out. Come on, guys. And talk to the Lord about, I believe, what is so needful today. Let's pray. Father God, as I think about where we are as a church, God, and how we desire your presence, how we know that your power still functions today, how we know, God, there's power for healing. We know there's power first for salvation, for healing, for the breaking of bondage and unclean spirits that still dwell among us today. It's still for your church today. But God, as I read through Acts, the first four chapters of Acts, and I looked at the qualities and the characteristics of that early church, Lord, I had to ask, is that where I'm at Is that where our church is at? Not just Bethel, Lord, but the church, particularly the church of America. Is that where we are, God? Because Peter first said, repent. Repent that times of refreshing may come. So, God, we first repent before you. God, you'll never move amongst our presence, God, when we cherish sin in our hearts. So, God, may we as a church, God, get humble before you and repent of our sins. 
and ask that you dwell among us, Lord, that you move mightily among us, God. And God, the people were hungry. You told them to go and tarry, and they tarried, and they prayed, and they sought your face, and then you begin to move, Lord. You poured out your spirit, God, and they begin to speak in other tongues, God, and the power of God was manifested. That can happen today, God, when we get hungry enough. God, and the church begin to function in boldness. God, boldness in your name. Lord, they had been told, do not preach in this man's name, but nothing would stop the name of Jesus Christ going forth in their lives. God, give us that boldness again. God, when we repent, when we become bold, your power begins to move in us, Lord. God, the power for healing, the, the power for salvation, God, the power, Lord, to deliver folks still functions for us today, God, but we must be hungry. I must be hungry. God, I must repent. I must seek your face and not your hand. God, I ask that you would move in Bethel Christian Center. I ask that you would move in the church of Durham. God, you would move in the church of the United States. God, move in the church of the world. I don't know what that takes, God. I don't know if it takes us shaking us economically or something else to get our attention. Lord, we've become too comfortable. I've become too comfortable. So forgive us of that, Lord. Prepare us. Prepare us for you to pour out your spirit again. You will pour out your spirit again, God. You will prepare the hearts of man, God, to see you. And we ask that you bring it today. And God, at the end, I said they prayed and the place was shaken. Shake this place. Shake this place with your power, God. God, let us see signs and wonders again. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Lord, you are a holy God, and no man can see your face. Jesus alone knew you intimately. And yet, by the grace that is yours, you have given us the opportunity to not just know you, but to have you live inside of us. When we, Lord, receive Christ, and we have your Holy Spirit living inside of us, the divine is inside of us. I cannot explain it, but I will also not explain it away. We accept it, Father. We accept that your Holy Spirit lives in us. And I pray that by the power that is yours alone, that you will grant us the desires that you want us to have. God, I pray that in this church, you will give each one of us, man, woman, and child, you will give us holy desires. Lord, that you will give us the desire to turn away from things that are sinful. I ask you, God, to give us the desire to turn away from things that may not be sinful, but are not the good, the best that you want for us. I pray, Lord, that you will give each one of us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And that is a, that's a tall order. Because, Lord, many of us, we are well established in our habits. We are well established in our thinking. Yet, Lord, your Holy Spirit is greater. Your desires are greater. Your power is greater. You are the victor. You wear the victor's crown. And you are the Lord of all. The Bible says that with man it is impossible, but with God All things are possible. And we ask you, Lord, to give us those desires, to give us holy desires, righteous desires, that, Lord, we are fertile ground for your spirit. We are fertile ground for your word. And I pray, Father, that in our nation, that you would amplify the voices of righteousness. I pray, God, for men and women who preach and who say your words accurately and truthfully and with hearts that are for you, God, that their voices would be amplified throughout this land. And Lord, those who are not, those whose hearts are set against you, those who have compromised, those, Lord, and only you know their heart, but those, God, who will not preach your truth, I pray that their voices would be silenced, that those who are seeking the truth would find the real truth, 
and not some copy, not something that is not what you have for us. God, raise up men and women of righteousness all throughout this land that, as Pastor has stated, your Holy Spirit might come and fall upon us and that there would be signs and wonders and healings. Grant us your desires, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Larry and Matt. And I trust with all of my heart that we won't let Larry and Matt do our prayer. And I hope we'll pray this week. And if you'd like to pray a great prayer, it's found in the next chapter before chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. Lord, this is what they prayed. The disciples prayed this prayer. Lord, look upon their threats. And they were threatened not to speak anymore in the name of Christ. And grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness. Amen. This is a prayer that the disciples pray. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I pray God grant that in Jesus' name. Amen. How important. That is. If you do not have an outline of the sermon, do we have anyone giving it? Yeah, oh, there you. Andrew's been busy this morning. He'll make sure you get one. I want everyone to have one. Please raise your hand if you don't have an outline of the sermon today. We want you to have one. Everyone got one? Wow. Look at your look at your introduction. As the power of God continued. To be poured out on the early church. Incredible things were happening. Even to the point of people being healed by Peter's shadow as it passed by. But notice also the high priest and his sect of the Sadducees were becoming jealous. And these of these uneducated followers of Jesus. When they had the apostles rest, arrested... An angel of God came in the middle of the night and released the men, telling them to go back to the temple and keep preaching. And what I want to do is look at this chapter 5, and I want to be aware of the time, and also what I'd like to do is for us to understand that what happened in the early church certainly can happen today. The first part of this chapter starts off with a sad, sad story. As most of you know, when, the God, when God began to move the disciples and the people of the early church, they began, some of them, to sell their possessions and bring what uh, they could to the church and, and distribute it among the poor so everyone could have food and thereby means whereby to live. And uh, we find that there was a man by the name of Ananias. Ananias sold property. Ananias brought a certain portion or brought X number of dollars or whatever to the disciples. And uh, he said, this is what it sold for thus and so. Well, Peter looked at Ananias and said, why has Satan entered your heart and why have you chosen because of Satan, to lie to the Holy Spirit. And uh, such a sad occasion because Ananias at that time fell dead. 
because not only he implied something that was not true, but also he lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, his wife did not know what had happened. She came in somewhat later and Peter asked her, did the property sell for X number of dollars? Because uh, Ananias and Sapphira had gotten together and made a decision, hey, this is what we're going to tell. This is what we're going to say it sold for. And she said, yes. So Satan had her to lie, to lie. And she also gave up the goals. Notice the lie of Ananias and this is the opposition from within. Uh, Mark Twain said a lie will travel around the world while truth is putting on her shoes. People don't mind lying anymore and a lie will go. And uh, I would to God that God would clean up Washington, D.C. and other places because I believe we need to tell the truth. Amen. We need to tell the truth. Ananias kept back part of the proceeds of soul possessions. And as I said, implying that it was a sacrifice. Just implying. How many of you know we need to tell the truth? Amen. His wife was also aware of it. And this lie also brought death to her. Both confronted by Peter. Both fell down. And both breathe their last. Notice number five under Roman numeral number one. The stroke of judgment scared the hypocrites. Brother Don, you believe people are fall dead today? Not necessarily. I do think when we lie to the Holy Spirit, we die spiritually. Amen. But we notice that this stroke of judgment scared the hypocrites because it said that none joined with them. Those that were unbelievers or those that were hypocrites. None joined, but believers came flowing in like a stream. In other words, those who were not of them didn't pretend to be with them. They were just not going to go to church and be a hypocrite because they may may be the next one on the agenda to fall dead. We need some kind of fear in the church today. I'm talking about godly fear. We need to hear that God is also a God of judgment as a God of mercy. A living and spiritual Christianity repels the ungodly from communion of the church. There are churches today that allow leaders to, to uh, lead in their church that's not living right. People that are homosexuals. People that are living together not being married. People that are alcoholics. I'm not talking about anybody being in the church that's, that's all holy. And that's what people say. We're none perfect. I'm not saying that. But I believe that open sin should be judged. I I believe that continued rebellion against God should be judged. And that is what happened in the early church. The judgment on false professors hastened instead of hindering conversion. Well, Brother Don, won't this hinder people from coming to church? Won't this stop people from coming to Christ? No, it hastened people being converted. Great fear came upon the church. 
And I believe it's a, it's a healthy symptom in, in the church when people are afraid to go to church and be a hypocrite and live like the devil and act like they're living for God. Remember when Jesus said, remember Lot's wife? He was talking about, of course, his second or the rapture or rather the, the second coming of Christ. And he told how the conditions would be at the coming of Jesus Christ. And what the world would be like. And then right in the midst of that, he says, remember Lot's wife. Why do I want to remember Lot's wife? I don't even want to think about it. She turned to a pillar of salt because she disobeyed God. God wants us to remember those things. He wants to let us know, hey, I don't want to be the next one. I don't think we should go around with fear in our hearts and fear in our lives and fearing that God's going to strike us down. I don't say that. I'm just saying that there should be godly fear in our lives today. The case of Ananias served some ends. I believe, number one, a great testimony of truth. You can't come to church, act like you're Christian, live like the devil, be a hypocrite, and go around lying and get by with it. You may get by with it today, next week, next year. But one day we'll pay for playing the hypocrite. Just what I believe. Notice second of all the power of the apostles. Powerful move of God through and by the hands of the apostles. First of all, they were in one accord. Can you imagine if all of us today would be in perfect one accord together praying for the same thing? That's the reason I had the prayers earlier, that we all would be on the same page. That we all would pray for a manifestation of the Spirit of the Lord. That we all would believe God for a great outpouring of miracles and signs and wonders. It's for the church today as well it was for the early church. Not only that, many signs and wonders were done by the apostles among the people. But hypocrites, and say it again, dared to join, but believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Didn't say that people came un, uh, 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 as unbelievers and, got, and didn't get saved. They did. But you know, the devil will fight us from the outside, but first of all, he will tempt us and fight us from the inside. He'll try to deceive us. He'll try to allow people to come in that's not living right, that has no intention of living right. And people look at them and say, if that's church, I don't want any, any part of it. Again, I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying that we're all holy. But I do believe that we need to be careful and guard ourselves against living the life of a sinner, living the life of an unbeliever, living the life of a person that is in rebellion. Number five, or number four, the sick were brought that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. And these people were healed. I don't think God used this scripture here. It's the only place it is used for us to use it as a method today, although it can be. I believe that God desires that we use his, his word. Any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with all, lay their hands upon them, and they're going to get healed. Just that simple. The Bible says, lay your hands upon the sick and they shall recover. It could be 
like the apostle Paul, that he allowed the anointed handkerchiefs to go out from him and people were healed and blessed because God's got, has many ways of touching the, those that will dare to believe in him. This was just simply one of those ways. A multitude brought the sick and those tormented by unclean spirits that they might be healed. God wants us to increase. God wants us to be blessed. God desires that we have and experience the miracles of the Lord. Notice number three, the persecution of the apostles, the Sadducees, the religious leaders. The Bible says they were furious. One translation said that they were jealous. They were indignant. That these unlearned men were so successful by the hand of God. And so they went out and had them arrested, brought in and put in jail. Well, during the night, an angel goes and delivers them out of the jailhouse. I don't know how exactly it was done, but he led them out, led those disciples out of the jail. Locked doors. No one could get out or in. And so the next morning, the religious leaders, the high priests and the Sadducees of that day, they said, you go down and get those men that we've locked up in the jail. They came back and said, they're gone. Wow. Said the guards were there. So not even the guards knew that they were gone. You said, that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. God's still opening prison doors today if you allow him. If your life is filled with bondage, if your life is filled with hopelessness, no matter where you are, God's able to take that spiritual key, unlock that door, swing wide those doors and say, come on out, you're free. I'm free, I'm free. There's nothing like being free by the Spirit of God. Amen? Spiritually set free. They were spiritually set free. The apostles put into the common prison by the high priest, the apostles freed by the angels who charged them to return to the temple and speak all the words of life. I love this. Speak all the words of life. He let them out, got them outside of the jail. He didn't say, now you go to McDonald's and get your hamburger. He didn't say, now you go home and rest. Y'all had a hard night. He didn't say any of that. He didn't say go hide somewhere so they won't arrest you again. He didn't say any of that. He said, you go back to the temple and you start preaching and teaching. Hallelujah. And that's where they found them at. They did exactly what God told them to do. Well, what happened after that, the high priest said, you go down and get them. But now you be real careful. And the Bible says they went down, took those disciples very carefully because they were afraid they were going to be stoned because the people really loved these disciples and supported these men of God. And so they go down and gently get them and takes them back, takes them back to the, where they were going to be tried at. And then they had them up and they said, listen, you didn't hear us. You must not have heard us the first time. Didn't we tell you not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus? You see, the devil does not want you and I to say anything about Jesus Christ in our society today. 
Oh, you can talk about your faith. You can talk about God. But there's one thing Satan does not want, and that's for you and I to say anything about Jesus. Anything about Jesus. I, uh, you probably remember Mr. T. Some of you are too young to remember Mr. T in the A-team. But I remember Mr. T very well. And uh, he was a toughie. He, he spoke hard. And, and people respected him because he was a tough man. I saw him the other night. He's been through cancer. He's cancer free. But I saw him on national television the other night. And guess what? He didn't mind saying something about Jesus. He didn't say, well, God. He didn't say, I've kept the faith. He said, let me tell you what, Jesus. And for one minute, that man stood there. And I've never heard a better testimony on national secular TV like he gave that night. Everybody was crying. It touched everyone's heart. And you could just sense the very presence of God as he did that. Most of the time, they don't want that happening. As I said, you can talk about God. You can talk about your faith. But don't say anything. And that's what concerned these people. They're saying, you're bringing his death on us. You're saying that we're the cause of him being crucified. Don't do that anymore. Then Peter gets up. And has one of the most powerful sermons that I have ever heard. And uh, it is just great. Peter and the apostles respond. Uh, Tammy, I, I didn't give this to you. But it, do you mind bringing it up? And I don't even have it on my, my sheet either. But I want, I want to read what Peter and the disciples said. It's... Uh, it's Acts chapter 5, beginning with verse 29 through 32. Acts chapter 5, verse 29 through 32. Someone said, if a sermon is good, it need not be long. If it's bad, it ought not to be long. So no matter how you figure it, you don't need long sermons. And Peter preached one of the most powerful sermons one of the shortest sermons that you can find. Did we get it? Uh, here we go. Here we go. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, What? Read it with me. We ought to obey God rather than men. Read it one more time. We ought to obey God rather than men. Thank you, Tammy. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him, God has exalted to his right hand. I love that. Him, God has exalted to his right hand to be, the, to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. But they didn't stop there and say, we're witness to this and also the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. That's a great sermon. Amen. You can close your Bibles. Let's go home. That sermon is a, oh, hallelujah. Powerful. Did you know what they wanted to do to the disciples when they finished that sermon? 
You know what they wanted to do? They wanted to slay them. They wanted to kill them. They said, let's get rid of these men. And a lot of times, no matter if it's work, if it's school, wherever you are, if you stand up for God, excuse me, and you tell the truth, people want to kill you. Not physically, but they want to harm you. Thank you so much, man. They want to hurt you. They don't want the truth. Amen? Don't you find that to be true sometimes? If you say something, they look at you like, what are you saying? Excuse me. And so they said, let's kill them. Now, understand that these were religious leaders, the sect called Sadducees. There was two major uh, religious groups during Jesus' day. There were the Sadducees, and they were Sadducee because of their belief. And then there were the Pharisees. Well, there was a, there was a man there by the name of Gamaliel. Gamaliel. I love that name, Gamaliel. He's mentioned several times in the New Testament, uh, in the book of Acts. It, this was a man who was so well learned when it came to the law. He had so much respect. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't get along. One wouldn't listen to the other. But here was a man which was a Pharisee, a religious leader, a religious doctor of the law. He was the Apostle Paul's teacher when Paul was a Saul, when he was not a believer. He sat at the feet of this man learning, and he was so well learned. Gamaliel stood up and he said, wait a minute. Don't, don't, don't do this. Be careful. He said, do you remember not too long ago, there was a man by the name of Thutis. He rose up to be somebody and there was about 400 people that followed him and they were, he was going strong. And all of a sudden he was, he, he was killed and said, the 400 scattered And then there was another man by the name of Judas, not Iscariot, but another man by the name of Judas also who rose up to be somebody and he got a great following to follow him. He died and his followers scattered. Now, I, I thought this quite interesting, quite interesting. That uh, Jesus rose up and he was somebody, or he said he was. He said he was the son of God. He made all these claims. And he was killed. Did his followers scatter? They scattered and preached the word. The leading religion in the world today. And after 2,000 years, he still has followers. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the Son of God. Amen. And you and I believe in him. Let me tell you, he still lives today. They were cut to the heart, but they, but, but Gamaliel says, don't do that. He stands up to the council. He causes the council. Movements 
I love this second one. Look at it. Movements tend to die with the leaders. But this one didn't. Somebody say hallelujah. Because he's alive. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives in my heart today. I know he's alive. You say, how do you know he's alive? Because he saved me. He touches me. He he uh oh. He heals me. He blesses me. He keeps me going. And the same for you today. I am glad to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God today. His following didn't wane. His following didn't run off. Oh, for a moment. The disciples, they got behind closed doors. But all of a sudden, there was a sound of, of the Holy Spirit coming. And it fell on each one of them and anointed them. And they began to speak in tongues. And the power of God was given unto them. And those men stepped out from the upper room. And they changed the world for Jesus Christ. The Bible says that they turned the world upside down. Inside out. That's what he needs to do to our lives. He needs to change us. And so he said, leave them alone. Gamaliel said, if this is not of God, it'll come to naught. If it is of God, you can't do anything about it. You can't stop it. You can't impede it. I mean, I'm glad it was of God today. No one stopped it. God's alive today. A lot of people go to church and they go through the motions and form and formality. But I'm here to tell you today that our God is a living God. And God wants to touch your life. The apostles are beaten and released and they left there with their heads down they left there moaning and complaining did they no no they left rejoicing they left praising God that they were even counted worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ oh I love that they departed rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for. They were dignified by indignity. Wow. Dignified.